Well, good morning. It is great to see all of you here today. Uh, are any of you cold at the moment? Thank goodness. So this morning, we came in, and um, as we were rehearsing, hmm, there we go. As we were rehearsing, we noticed it was a little chilly in here. In fact, I was complaining about my fingers hurting while I was playing. And uh, we went back and checked out the thermostats, and it was 62 degrees uh, in here. <laughs> I thought, I don't really think that's the temperature we set it at, typically, during this time of year. And uh, fortunately, Matt Botts, who is our resident kind of uh, HVAC guy, came in, and he got everything working. And so hopefully, uh, it's warm enough in here for all of you uh, so that you're not frigid like we were in our morning rehearsal. If you are a first-time guest or returning guest, man, we're glad that you're here. I'm Brian. If I haven't had the opportunity uh, to meet you, I always like it when we get to stand up here and, and we play and you guys like sing along with us uh, when we're singing. And on that last song, uh, I almost heard you louder than I heard myself because it's kind of low in my range, but it was fantastic to be able to hear all of you singing back to us. And so thank you for, for doing that and participating with us uh, as we sang this morning. One really important thing that I want to talk about before I jump into a new series that we're starting today, and that is that we are a church uh, who are passionate about loving people like Jesus loves them and guiding them into a growing relationship with God. Now, what that means is that there are opportunities when God gives us a chance to actually love people like he would love them. And that doesn't always come packaged in a nice little bow um, and really ultra convenient to all of our schedules, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Um, but as a church, one of the things that we really want to do is even when it's inconvenient and not, not easy, even when it's kind of difficult, we want to reach out and love people like Jesus loves them. That's people outside the walls of our church through things like trunk or treat and other outreach events that we do. But that also means inside the walls of our church to people who are a part of our church family. And here in the month of November, we have two families who are moving to new homes, okay? And we would love to give all of you the opportunity to love people like Jesus loves them and help us do that. Yeah, this is exciting stuff. This is a chance to love like Jesus, right? I mean, I don't even have to go and look for this one. Like, you're putting it in front of me. It's awesome. Um, and so here's the scoop. Uh, John and Paula Feather, who are seated right back here, um, if I tell them to stand up, they're probably going to, like, not want me to do that. But they're right back here in the back. They're moving from Huber Heights to Kettering on Saturday, November 16th. Okay, now that's two weeks, roughly, from right now. They're going to have everything, like, boxed up and ready to go. We don't have to come in and help you pack, right? Right, right. Now, I only say that because some of you who've helped us move in the past, we showed up and we had to help people pack. And we were not planning on that, and it was not a great experience for us. Now, we still loved like Jesus, even though in our hearts we were like, ah, are you serious right now, right, okay? Um, but the feathers are going to be moving. They're going to have a, um, a truck that we can load up and then help them unload when we get to their they're, they're, where are we going to your new home or are we going to, to an apartment? Um, and so this, this, that's, folks, that's, that's pretty simple, right? It's even on a Saturday when most of you don't have to work. 
Right. Is this happening in the morning, late morning, right? Yes or yes? Late morning. Okay, good. So those of you who are football fans, you might only miss the first game that day. Okay? You can do this. It's love like Jesus. Okay? You can watch the scores on your phone. Okay. Uh, then in addition to that, we have Mike and Nancy Rucker who travel quite a ways to get here every week. They drive here from Urbana, okay, because that's how committed they are to this church that they're a part of. Um, and they're moving from Urbana to just north of Sydney. Now, those of you who are irritated that they're moving further away, you take that up with them, right? Don't take that up with me. I had nothing to do with it. Um, but they're actually going to be moving on the 13th and the 14th, which is the Thursday and the Friday. The way that's going to work is on Thursday, they're going to load their truck, and on Friday, they're going to unload their truck, okay? So maybe you can't be at both of those. Maybe you can't be at either one, but we really want to encourage you, um, if you're at all able to take some time, any one of those three days, or if you're like, you know, super available and you want to be there all three of those days, um, we'll make that opportunity available to you. But what we're not going to try and do as a church is be a middleman here. Instead, what we've done, those of you who are Uversion users, pull up Uversion, and you will see um, the Feathers phone number is there, Mike and Nan's phone number is there. What we would like for you to do is coordinate directly with them so that we don't mistake anything or mess anything up um, in that coordination, okay? Because it's all happening boom, boom, boom like that, we would rather you coordinate directly with them they can give you better instructions in terms of times and locations than we can. So is everybody clear kind of on, on what we're asking you to do there? Yeah? Please, 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 if at all possible, any one of those three days, this is what it means to be part of a church family where we reach out and we help each other in times of need. There are times when we're on the needing end and there are times where we're on the, on the giving end. And um, in order for the family to work the way it should, we need to be available when people need us, if we can be available. And when we need help, what should we do, church? We should be willing to ask, right, and allow people. Don't take away the privilege that God wants us to give to people to be able to serve uh, by not allowing us to know when there's a need, okay? So that's a really important thing. In version. there's also some information. The feathers are downsizing. Um, going from a, a, a larger place to a smaller place, they have some things that they want to get rid of prior to that move, actually lining up perfectly with what we're talking about this morning, um, and less being more. And um, so you can see, those of you who are not Uversion users, it's pretty simple to do. Uh, just download the Uversion Bible app, search for Kettering Church in the Events tab, and you'll be able to, to see all of that information um, if, if you need it. We can also provide you a paper. Uh, those, how many are paper people? How many of you just like to have paper? Okay, those of you who like to have paper in the, at the Connection Center out there, or the Information Desk as we call it, I believe there are some papers available that have the Feathers phone numbers and the Rutgers phone numbers on them, um, and you can get those back there as well. Cool? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start a brand new series called Making Change. It's a little bit of a play on words, you know, making change can, can refer to making change in money, right? Uh, there was a time, those of you who are under the age of 30 probably won't remember this, but there was a time if you worked in retail that the cash registers did not make change for you, right? There was, I know, there was actually a time I used to work at Bob Evans when I was in high school and I was a host for a while and I would have to take people's money and the, the machine did not make change, 
okay? That you didn't punch in the amount they gave you, and then it come back and say, well, here's how much you need to give them back. There were not pictures of how many quarters and nickels and dimes that you were supposed to spew back to. You actually had to make that change in your head. How many of you can remember this? Some of you remember having to do this. Like, that's what we call mental math. You guys over here, hey, look, look at all you guys. They're like looking at me like, you guys do mental math exercises in school? Yes? How many of you are comfortable making change? A couple of you are comfortable making change. Let me tell you something. Even if, even if the machine tells you, folks, listen to me, how many of you have ever gotten the wrong change when you've given somebody money back? Right? And you knew it right then because you know how to make change in your head. You're not taking it for granted that the person who's giving you your change back is actually giving you the right amount of change back, right? So even if you never have to work in retail, some of you are like, I don't need to make change. I'm never going to have a retail job, okay? Even if that's true, it's still good to know how much change you should get back, right? That's not what we're going to be talking about today, just so you guys know. This is not a sermon on the importance of making change. Although it is important in terms of making change to how we live, not making change in terms of dollars, nickels, pennies, quarters, okay? But instead, we're going to be talking about making some changes to how we live so that our financial situation can be different, okay? Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, here we go. Pastor Brian's going to talk about us giving money to the church. It's not what we're going to talk about today. So, those of you who are thinking that's what I'm going to talk about, relax, settle in, put your guard down, okay? I'm not going to tell you that you have to give a bunch of money. Instead, what we're going to do today is start our first week in this four-week series on making change by talking about the idea that less is more. That less is more. There are going to be four weeks to this series. The first is, as I've already told you, less is more. Next week, we're going to be talking about stress being bad. The third week, I probably shouldn't tell you this because this is the week some of you are going to be like, I ain't coming that week. The third week is giving is good. I know, I've already warned you, so I'm going to be watching the numbers, okay? Giving is good. And the fourth week is going to be called Tomorrow Matters. Tomorrow Matters. Um, so those are the four weeks of this Making Change series, with the whole idea being this. If we can make changes today, if we can begin make changes today, it can impact in a very positive way our future as we move forward. Okay? I think most of you already know this to be true in a variety of ways. How many of you have ever said, Tomorrow, I'm going to start exercising. I know, no one wants to raise their hand. Tomorrow, I'm going to start exercising. I have to tell you guys a funny story. Um, Mike Murray, right over here, has coordinated a couple of events for the men in the church to go and do some fun things together. We went golfing in August. A couple of you showed up. Those of you who didn't, you really did miss a fun time, even if you're not a good golfer, which most of us aren't, okay? But yesterday, some of us, Where's Rodney? There's Rodney back there. Okay, I'm sorry, Rodney Wells back there. Uh, Mike's over here. I'm trying to remember who else was there. Um, Dave, where, Damon's over there. So the four of us and Rodney's son, Tyler, and uh, Bethany Schultz's grandson, uh, Jordan, we went and played laser tag. Now, let me tell you a little something. Those of you who've played laser tag, 
this is laser tag on a whole new level, right? There's buildings in there. This place is huge, 9,000 square feet. You have to run from one end to the other to respawn if you get shot and destroyed or whatever, okay? And there were like 12 10-year-olds. You guys, am I joking here? No, that there's like these 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids had a birthday party, and they were with us. They're like the Energizer Bunny, right? They could just go and go and go and go. So anyway, I'm one of those people who says, yeah, tomorrow I'll start exercising. Yesterday was tomorrow. Right? I got home last night. Yesterday I got home, and I sat down, and I watched some football. And I got up. Now, in my house, there's a little sitting room outside of our bedroom where I'm allowed to watch TV. Okay? Because between my eldest child and my wife, they watch TV and play games downstairs. So I'm relegated to my dungeon, as Dawn calls it. Okay, this little sitting area. Well, you have to go up and down steps to get to it. When I went up the steps when I got home, I was fine. But when I went down the stairs after a few hours of sitting, I literally thought my legs were like jello. Right? Like, they still hurt right now. So when I go down this step right here to get off the stage, I go... Oh, right? Because my legs are literally like jello. I'm that out of shape. Some of you are thinking you played laser tag. Yes, but it's 40 minutes of nonstop running and ducking and squatting and sliding and whatever you need to do to not get shot by these little kids. Are you all following me here? So in my pain today, I realized I really need to exercise more, right? And I think a lot of you are with me here. You know that you need to make a change, but today's just really not a good day to start making those changes, right? Okay, so the whole crux of this series is making change and the idea that if we really want to make changes, especially as it relates to our financial situations, we need to start making those changes now, right? And so we're going to start by talking about the idea of less being more. We're going to be reading today from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to open it up, whether it's on your phone or a tablet or whatever you are, are following along on. If you're a version user, these verses will be in version for you. If you're not using version, then please, by whatever means, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 6. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 4 through 6. Solomon has this to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success. Because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. Like chasing the wind. If you've ever read through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's Solomon's uplifting book about all the things that he has learned in his life. It's really not very uplifting. Okay, I was just checking to see if any of you were paying attention. Solomon says over and over throughout this book. He uses this phrase chasing the wind. Right, because we all know that you can never catch The wind, and chasing the wind is meaningless. He goes on to say that fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. But then he makes like a, almost a contradictory statement to that. He says, and yet, 
better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Solomon says, fools fold their hands in idleness and they really don't do anything. They just kind of sit there and wait for life to happen. And he's telling us that that's not the way to do it. But then he goes on, he says, but wait, don't go too far the other direction, right? Don't think that the better thing to do is just go, 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 go all the time. He says, it's better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing wind. Now, some of you are thinking, now, it sounds to me, Brian, like you're saying hard work is bad. It is not what we are saying, right? Solomon talks about hard work and chasing the wind, okay? And I want to ask you this question, why would it be better? How can it be better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind? What are we talking about here? What might Solomon be referring to when he says, better to have one handful with quietness than to have two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind? What are we saying? Two handfuls of what? One handful of what? Well, put whatever you want to put in there. What Solomon is trying to help us understand is that one handful in a quiet spirit is better than two handfuls and chasing the wind to try to get three or four or five or six handfuls. In other words... Solomon understands, because he's lived it out, when stuff is what matters to you, you can never get enough of it. When stuff is what matters to you, you will never, ever have enough of it. It's why he says it's like two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. In other words, when you get your two handfuls, you're going to want three handfuls, and then you're going to want four handfuls, and then eventually I have to open my hands in order to get more, right? And then what happens to what's in my hands when I open them to get more? Solomon is essentially saying to us, maybe, just maybe, less can be more. But I want to ask you, some of you, you sit in church and you hear a pastor up here saying things like this, and you think, yeah, that's pretty catchy, but, but how many of you think that's actually true? How many of you actually think for just a moment that less could actually be more? You see, it's one thing to like think, yeah, that's kind of cool, less is more. But when it comes to actually living that out, that, that can be tricky, right? That can be kind of tricky. I want you to ask you a question, and obviously in version, you can't write this down in your, in your notes following along, but I want to ask you to define the three things that really matter to you in your life. I want you to take just a second, I want you to think about that. What are three things, the top three things that matter most to you in your life? What are the three things that if somebody asks you, well, what are the three most important things to you in this life, what would they be? The three things that you would say are the most important things that really matter to you. Three things. You can write them down on your hand, or you can, you know, burn them into your brain, or you can tell the person next to you, whatever you, whatever you need to do. Three things that really matter to you. And I want to ask you, 
if you were near the end of your life, right, if, you're, if you found that your life is coming to an end and, and you've not been given good health news or whatever it might be, okay, how would your daily activities change? What would change in your life? What would happen if you knew that that's what was going to happen to you? Maybe you'd given a, a bad diagnosis from a doctor or whatever, and all of a sudden, everything changes in your world, right? So how would your daily activities look different if you knew that your life was going to be cut short or your life was going to come to an end? If you only had a limited amount of time left on this earth, those three things that you thought of earlier, how would they be different? How would your life be different in terms of going after those three things, whatever those three things might be? You see, Jesus tells us something about stuff and how our stuff relates to us. Jesus tells us that our life is not measured by the accumulation of stuff. It is not measured by how much we own, right? Our life is not determined, the quality of our life, the impact of our life, the magnitude of our life is not determined by what we accumulate or by what we own. That is not what determines that. And yet for some reason, for some reason, and listen, I'm not excluding myself from this number, yet for some reason, we tend to be people who chase after more and more, and more. Jesus actually points this out in the book of Luke chapter 12. There's a great parable in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, okay? Someone called to Jesus from the crowd and said, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus says, Friend, who made me a judge over you? To decide such things as that. And then he says this. Beware. Guard yourselves against every kind of greed. And here are the words he says. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus' words. Then he tells them a story to illustrate this point. He says a rich man had a fertile field, a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. In other words, my hands are full. I have two handfuls. What am I going to do? He said to himself, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. See, Jesus tells this story about a person who strives and strives and strives to get more. And then when they have so much that they can't contain all of it, what do they do? Well, I have to do more work to build bigger barns so that I can hold all the extra stuff I've got. And God's like, what is wrong with you? You're a fool. 
Your life is going to end this very night, and then all this work that you've done will be for what? For what? You see, the idea is not for Jesus to say that you shouldn't have anything. Jesus doesn't criticize this man because his farm was fertile and it produced fine crops. He says, when will enough ever be enough for you? When will enough ever be enough for me? When will enough ever be enough for any of us? Because so many times we live life, we chase the wind in how we live life. And we want more, and we want more, and we want more. And we say, man, when only I, if I get here, then I'll be good. When I get here, then I'll feel better. Well, when I get here, when we achieve this thing or when we achieve that thing, well, then it'll all be good. Then I'll be able to sit back and enjoy those three things that I wrote down earlier. Whatever those three things are that you wrote down on your list. You see, what has happened to us as a culture, Christians and non-Christians alike, people who worship Christ and people who don't, is that we have bought the lie that says to us that our happiness comes from the stuff that we have. That life will be complete when you get all that you deserve. Yeah? So, what you're supposed to do with your life is work hard, play hard, work harder. One day, maybe, you'll be able to retire, right? And when you do, then you'll be able to enjoy your life, those three things that you wrote down earlier. But unfortunately, what happens to so many of us is that we chase the wind and we buy the lie that happiness will come when we have two handfuls because one handful just isn't enough. One handful won't get it done. You can't be happy with just one handful. You got to have both handfuls in order to be happy. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is very briefly, less is more. Now, this is really hard for me because um, I, I kind of like certain electronic devices. Any of you like me? Like you, you like electronic? A couple of you are like me. Uh, you know what? I'm proud of myself that I, I'm, I'm two generations behind on my iPhone right now. Okay. Some of you are like, wow, that's pathetic. Yeah, it probably is pathetic. But listen, for, for me, I'm like, hey, I, I haven't bought the new iPhone 11 yet. I'm still on the 10, and there's been a 10S that's come out since then, so don't criticize me. Some of you are out there like, I still use an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 7. Well, great. I envy you that, you know, I don't, but I do. But I, so, I'm one of these people who, when it comes to certain things, it's like, I just want to have that. Now, my, my watch is three generations behind. So, folks, I'm trying to say to you that the temptation, like, I'm trying to do this less is more living thing, right? It's hard to do. Y'all are picking on me about that. Y'all have something too, Right? All of you have something, okay? But let's talk about what it might look like to live with less in order to have more time to do those three things 
that you wrote down earlier. For some of us, less is more living means that we have to cut back. Now, some of you are thinking, whoa, what does cut back mean? What are you talking about cutting back? Well, here in our country, in the great United States of America, when we don't have enough money to get something, what do we typically do? Some of you are like, we charge it. That's next week, okay? We're going to be talking about debt next week. Stress is bad, and debt causes stress, okay? So, but yes, we do, and most of us would approach it this way. Most of us, like, look at life like this. Well, I just need to make more money, right? Yeah, and so when we go to college, those of us who go to college, and then some of us who don't go to college and just decide to start a career, many times we think, well, where can I make the most money, right? Where can I make the most money? And after you've been at your job for a year, you think, well, I need a raise, right, because I need my cost of living increase because there's inflation. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. For most of us, the solution to not having enough money is to make more money. That's That's how we're programmed to think. None of us are taught to think, well, maybe you should cut back your expenses. What? What do you mean cut back my expenses? If I cut back my expenses, that means I don't have. You're catching on. Yes, that is the correct answer. So, like, when we don't have enough money to have X, Y, or Z, we think, well, what can I do to make more money? And I know some of you are thinking, if I cut back any further on my expenses, it's going to be ugly. Well, church, less is more. Now, that's hard. Dawn and I have this discussion amongst ourselves a lot because she'll come home and say something like this. I think I want to quit my job. And I'll be like, well, uh, whew. I don't really think you want to do that. Right? Because then I'll, I'll be able to stay home and make dinner. And I'm like, yeah, but... We won't have any money to buy food. Right? You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. We, we really do. We have this ongoing discussion about her quitting her job. And so as I'm pre- planning for this message series, I'm like, ugh. You know, because these messages speak to me just like they do all of you. And last year, Dawn, was, Dawn and I used to, now how many of you fight with your spouse ever? You have, do any of you do that? I cannot believe that you guys actually fight with your spouse. Um, <laughs> Dawn and I had some really ugly fights last year about moving, okay? Well, and I mean, when I say ugly, some of you are like, there's no way our pastor would argue like we do. Oh, yeah, he probably would, okay? Really ugly fights about moving. And, you know, like, there are really hard things that we have to talk about when we talk about less is more and cutting back, right? Because here's what it means to cut back. Cutting back means I have to spend less money on stuff. That's the bottom line, period. That's what it means. And so for some of us, cutting back, if those three things that we wrote down are really that important to us, then what we may have to do is downsize the house that we live in. We may have to downsize and buy, drive an older car, right? We may not be able to have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney Plus, and Apple TV, along with your cable subscription. Like, 
You know what I'm saying? Some of you may have to take your $300 a month cable bill, your entertainment expense, and cut that down. And choose one. So that you only pay like $15 a month instead of $300. Some of you may have to get off of your phone plans where you're paying $28 a month for a phone. Like, I don't know what your situation looks like. For all of us, it might look different. But the reality is this. If you go through your whole life doing what you've always done, and you look at your financial situation and you think something needs to change, then make some changes. Because most of us, here's the change that needs to happen. My income needs to increase. And then everything will be fine. No, everything will not be fine. Because here's what you'll do. When you make more money, you'll spend more money. And then you still won't have enough. One handful still will not be enough for you. You may need to cut back. I don't know what that looks like for you. For all of you, that may look different. But you may also need to clear out. Now, Dave Ramsey, I'm a big financial peace guy. Dave Ramsey talks about if you're in a place where you know your financial situation is not good, right, okay, where you have a lot of debt and you're just barely scraping by, you may have to clear some stuff out, meaning, I don't know, have a garage sale, a yard sale, open up a little eBay store, okay? Because a lot of us have stuff that we just don't need, right? We accumulate stuff. When you move, those of you who are moving, right, you find how much stuff you have that you're like, where did this come from? Oh, yeah. We bought that last month, and here it is down in the basement or in the closet or whatever, because I just had to have it, right? You got to clear some stuff out, maybe. Maybe it's time to clear out, get rid of some stuff. Maybe it's time to pay some stuff off. This is, well, man, we'll talk a lot more about this next week, okay? But in the great... United States of America, we have this beautiful thing called credit, and it is destructive. Well, not always, but it can be very destructive, right? Because no longer do we look at how much things actually cost. We look at how much they will cost us per month, right? We don't look at how much things actually cost us anymore. We just ask, well, how much is it per month? And then we pay on it for like 30 years, right? You go to retire and you realize... Oh my goodness, that's the couch that we bought 33 years ago. And we're still paying $6.49 a month for it. Right? Like we paid $12,200 for this couch. Because we, we just don't pay attention to that kind of stuff anymore. It's the culture in which we live. And unfortunately, we buy the lie that says, if we could just get more stuff, then we'll be happy because we look around at all the other happy people in our world right and we think look how happy they are because they bought that nice new car what you don't see is all the fights that happen inside the house and inside the car over the car right well no we can't go out and get anything to eat because we can barely make our car payment but we're so happy we're all so happy even though we're really not, right? Less is actually more. 
I just have a few, few quotes that I want to leave you with as I close because I'm already out of time. Less is more living. Please hear me when I say this. Less is more living doesn't mean you don't have anything. Okay? Less is more living does not mean you live in a cardboard box and no running water. Okay? Because you can live in a really, really nice cardboard box with all kinds of fancy stuff in it, couldn't you? If I challenged all of you say, hey, can you live a good life in a cardboard box? You'd probably figure it out. Now, you wouldn't do it in Ohio, right? You'd have to go somewhere a little warmer, okay? But less is more living does not mean that we don't have anything. What it means, church, is this. Listen, it means that we don't spend our life chasing the wind, trying to get two handfuls. We realize that maybe, just maybe, one handful is enough. Because with that one handful, we're actually able to enjoy what we have, right? We're actually able to sit back and relax and not have as much stress in our world, trying to figure out how we're going to pay for all the stuff that we have. Better a little nice stuff that you actually own than a bunch of stuff that owns you. Some of you are saying, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, maybe, maybe it's better to have one car that you actually own than to have two cars that own you. You say, how in the world can a car own me? Well, how many of you actually own your car? Right? You know? So some of you are saying, of course I own my car. I've got the title. Do you have the title? Do you have the title in your possession right now? Yeah, a lot of times the old bank owns the car, right? And sometimes we have three and four cars that we don't own, and a boat, and a trailer, a tent, a cabin, whatever, whatever in the world it is, we don't own any of it, right? We don't own any of it, but it certainly does own us. And the way it owns you is that you have to give up so much of yourself in order to chase after it. That's how we do it. Sometimes... We'll work two and three jobs in order to have the stuff that we want and that we convince ourselves that we need. The last quote that I want to leave you with today is this. The richest people in the world are not those who have the most. They are those who need the least. The richest people in the world are not those who have the most, but rather those who need the least. Now, I don't want any of you to feel like, wow, that dude just beat us up about stuff this morning. My goal is not to stand up here and beat you up about anything, right? My goal is to just present you with this idea that maybe, just maybe, life is better when we have less stuff, right? We have more time and energy to enjoy the stuff that we have. I'm going to leave you with one little illustration or story. And my friends Jerry and Melissa Longo are sitting back here in the back. And I can remember, what's three years ago now? I don't know how many years ago it's been. Jerry and Melissa, Jerry was working at the church, and he came, he's like, hey, uh, we're moving to South Carolina, right? And I'm like, oh, well, must be nice, right? Moving to Myrtle Beach. And I'm thinking, wow, you guys must have done pretty well moving down to Myrtle Beach, right? Well, here's what, listen, 
Jerry and Melissa had this really nice, old, big farmhouse, lots of land, right? I mean, like, really, I mean, really nice place that they lived in. And you moved into a, is it a two-bedroom? Two, two it's a big house, right? I mean, how many square feet is it? Oh, you're in a condo now? You guys don't live in the same little house in South Carolina? Is it too, but is it big? How big is it? A thousand square feet. Is that smaller than the house you were living in before? Yeah. Now, for Jerry and Melissa, moving to South Carolina has been a process, right? Because you guys have parents that are still here, and so you're there, and you're here, and you're there, and you're here, and all this, right? It's been a real challenge for them. But I remember when Jerry and Melissa were downsizing to be able to live in this smaller space that they had in South Carolina, okay? And I can remember thinking, I wonder if we could do that. Because you guys got rid of a lot of stuff, even animals, right? I mean, you had some dogs that you were attached to. That you, so, like, Jerry and Melissa made this decision that they were going to move to South Carolina and they're going to live in a smaller house and have less stuff. But imagine being able to walk the beach every day, right, if you want to. Maybe not every day because there's hurricanes and stuff down there. So You do it anyway. Okay, well. Um, but the idea that this is what we want to do, this is where we feel like we will enjoy the, the time that we have left. I don't mean that like, like that sounded... No. We want to, this is a stage in life where we want to live on the beach. But in order to do that, we're going to have to let a whole lot of stuff go, right? We're going to have to cut back. We're going to have to clear out. We're going to have to, I don't know if you had anything to pay off, but, but the bottom line was I can remember watching them go through this process and wondering to myself, what in the world would possess a person? I mean, the beach is fine and all, but I mean, really? You're giving up all of this to live in this little tiny place, like, and you're not even on the beach, right? I mean, you guys have to walk to get to the beach, right? I, oh, my goodness, a half mile. You know that exercise thing we talked about earlier, right? You just walk a half mile to get to the beach and a half mile back. But I can remember watching them go through that process and thinking, that just seems crazy to me, right? But as I prepared, prepared and prepped for the sermon, I thought, they kind of understand it. Like the idea that it's not about how big the house is. It's not about if we have a nicer car, we have to downgrade our car, we have to do this or we have to do that. Because this is something that is more important to us than stuff, right? Than having stuff. And so to some of you that may seem like, well, that's a weird example. But if you could have watched that process unfold, if you could have watched the things that, like I remember... I, Melissa's a crafty person, and she had all kinds of, I mean, so much stuff. And she'd just, she'd just get rid of it. Just be like, I, I just, I don't have room for it. I don't have space for it. Because this is what really matters to me. You see, everything can't be the most important thing to you. Less is more living. It's about understanding that there are things that matter. There are things that are really important. And then there are things that really aren't. And identifying what those things are and recognizing that if I want to live my life the way Christ wants me to live my life, relationships will mean more to me than stuff. That's relationships with your kids, with your spouse, with your parents. That's relationships with your 
church family. That's relationships with people that live in your neighborhood. It's people. And sometimes we don't have time to spend with people because we're too busy working. We're too busy chasing the wind to get our two handfuls when one handful really should be enough. I'm going to close this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to encourage you to think about what does it mean for you? What does it mean in your world to live with less so that you can do and have more of what really matters and what's really important? Heavenly Father, Lord, today I pray that your words have been heard here today. Lord, I pray that this is is not to anyone to seem like a, a harsh or critical sermon in any way. But, Father, that, that we would all hear your voice speaking to us, that relationships are so important, and chasing the wind for more and more stuff, to get more handfuls of stuff, is a lie that the enemy wants to feed us, to make us feel like we will be happy. Lord, my prayer is that if there's anybody here who's struggling, Lord, today, who's struggling to think, I want to make changes in my life, that you will give them the courage to look in. You will give them the courage to make changes. Might let them live with less so that they can have and do more in terms of what's really important in this world and live. We love you. We praise you, Lord. We ask all of this in your name today. Amen. Thanks for being here. Hope that you'll come back next week as we talk about stress is bad. See you next time.